beautiful people. This is episode four of Bands and Motivation. I am Iyamide. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone, except those who think that money equals happiness. In case you never heard, more money, more problems. I hope you guys are having a good week so far. On this episode, we'll be discussing mental health and Kanye West, because unless you've been under a rock, you've heard about his Twitter meltdowns this week. So we'll be talking about that. Double standards, which usually favor men, but this time it is the women who are enjoying it. And I'm doing enjoying in air quotes. We'll get into that later. Last but not least, poor customer service, because there's nothing worse than going to an establishment, to a restaurant, to a grocery store, and having a horrible experience because the person who is working there, I'm guessing, doesn't want to be there and they want to let you know. So let's get right into it. COVID-19 is still roaming to and fro, seeking for whom to devour. Guys, literally in the last 14 days, COVID-19 cases have gone up by 1 million. That means 1 million human beings have COVID-19 that did not have it before two weeks ago. This thing is still spreading like wildfire. It's crazy. It's scary. Yes, there have been some positives as far as vaccine trials are looking good, but we still do not have a vaccine. We still do not have a cure. We still don't know why it attacks some people more than it does others. Initially, we were told that if you're young and you're healthy and have no underlying conditions, you are almost, I won't say zero because they didn't say zero risk, but very, very low risk. Now we are hearing people who are young, who are otherwise healthy, have no underlying conditions ending up on ventilators, losing their lives. This thing is, is out of hand. It's not even getting out of hand. It's already out of hand. For my non-Nigerian people, out of hand means it's out of control. So please, guys, social distance. I know it's difficult. We've been home for so long. Everyone is losing their mind. Everybody's tired. Weather is nice. You want to go outside. You want to hang out. You want to do stuff. Please, 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 please protect yourself and your loved ones. You might have somebody at home who is vulnerable, your parents, your grandparents, babies. I was reading an article that said, I think it was like 90 babies who are under the age of one in one county in Texas were diagnosed with COVID-19. So obviously, anybody can get this thing. Yes, it'd probably be worse if you already have, say, like heart issues, diabetes, high blood pressure, and so on and so forth. Maybe you're pregnant, you've been sick, you have cancer, your immune system is down. But there are still some crazy cases. I don't want you to be part of those people. I know you don't want to be part of those people. So please, if you must go out, do so wisely. Social distance, use your mask, sanitize. If you travel, please quarantine because we need to get this thing under control so that we can all go back to regular life. Mental health and Kanye West. So, in case you don't know what the story is about, in 2016, Kanye West said that he had bipolar disorder. I don't know if a doctor officially diagnosed him or he was just letting us know based on his symptoms and Google. But anyway, word is that Kanye West is bipolar. And he said at that time that he didn't like taking medication for the bipolar disorder because it stifled his creativity. Obviously, as you know, Kanye West is a rapper, producer, 
has a fashion label, makes Yeezys, does collaborations with other people, and so on and so forth. So his entire life, his entire career, his source of income is being creative. So on one hand, yes, you can understand why he wouldn't want to mess with his source of livelihood. And if you know anybody who takes medication, even from watching, you know, movies and shows, no matter how inaccurate they are, a lot of times these medications kind of dull the person down and they're not really themselves. They're not as jovial and happy and, you know, out and about. Of course, it depends on the medication, but I'm assuming that if this one was to affect his creativity, it was probably also going to affect his personality and other things like that. For that reason, he didn't want to take the medication. All well and good if he wasn't in the public eye. But now on July 4th, which is America's Independence Day, he announced that he was running for president. And he talks about this like ever so often. Oh, I'm going to be president 2020, 2024. Close to Donald Trump. Make America great again. Wear the MAGA hat. All of that. His wife, Kim Kardashian, has been working with Trump and his daughter and son-in-law on prison reform. So on and so forth. Anyway, on July 4th, he announces I'm running for president, you know, and everything kind of goes downhill from there. He has a rally last week, Saturday, where he's talking to about 100 people in South Carolina. And next thing he starts shouting about how he almost killed his daughter. He and Kim were going to have an abortion or he told Kim to have an abortion when she told him he was, she was pregnant with their first child. And Kim already had the pills in her hand. God gave him a message. I think he said his laptop blacked out or something. And God told him pretty much like, if you mess with my plan, I'll mess with yours. He called Kim, told her, you know, put the pills down. Don't about that baby. Their daughter is here. She's like, I think seven, Northwest. Totally bizarre. Talked about Harriet Tubman, who is like an icon for black people. If you know anything about black history, she freed slaves. There's a movie about her. Places are named after her. And Kanye West said she wasn't really an icon. She didn't really free the slaves. She just took them from working from one white person to another white person, etc., etc. Totally bizarre. And of course, people started panicking. His friends, his family, they're like, what is this? This is crap. Why would he say that? Why would he do this? And started trying to rush to figure out, okay, what they could do, how they could get things under control. From what I believe, he's um, in quarantine or in lockdown or whatever the case may be, isolating. In Wyoming, he has a ranch there. His wife and kids are in California where his wife you know, shoots her reality show with her family, all of that. So his wife supposedly tries to get on the plane with her mom, get some doctors down there to maybe get him some medication or treat him or help him out or figure out what is going on. Kanye West goes on a rampage on Twitter and pretty much starts saying, you know, I didn't ask him to put out any statements. A real wife wouldn't do that. Yes, we saved our daughter by the grace of God. Um, next president, white supremacy, they're trying to silence me. This is what they did to Michael Jackson. If anything happens to me, you guys know who to blame. Calling his mother-in-law, who is Chris Jenner, calling her Chris Jong-un, which, you know, after North Korean dictator, just a whole bunch of wild stuff that he was writing, writing Drake and some other people's names and literally just going off pretty much, seeing how he's wanting to divorce his wife for a while. How she met Mick Mill in a hotel to talk about prison reform. Just literally losing it. And obviously, this is not just one tweet, right? It's like just tweets back to back to back to back to back saying all this crazy stuff and then deleting them. Obviously, these blogs and gossip sites are taking screenshots and sharing them, you know, the next day or that same night. Anyway, a total meltdown. Mind you, this is somebody who is supposed to be running for president. 
on an independent party that he's supposed to be creating called the birthday party. I'm sorry, but that name alone is ridiculous. Politics is not a joke. How do you call a party the birthday party? And saying, oh, that the frame of the White House when he becomes president is going to be modeled after Wakanda, which is from a movie, Black Panther. So it's not even a real thing. So all these things, of course, making his family anxious, his wife is trying to do something about it, his crying wolf, you know, on the internet, giving interviews saying he's okay, he's having friends fly in to check on him. Everybody's keeping tight lipped. Fair enough. So let's break this down a little bit. One, bipolar disorder is a mental health issue, a mental health problem, you know, it's a diagnosed disease. When you have a disease or a diagnosis, you generally get treated for it. Not to say that anything special about it's happening to Kanye West because so many people, I don't know the statistics, so I don't want to say any number, but I'm willing to bet at least millions of people in the United States have bipolar disorder, which is being treated, or even if they are not on medication, we don't know them, they are not important. So even if they went on a tirade, only their family and friends will know. In this case, Kanye West obviously is a world known figure, big name, married to another big name, in the limelight. That's how he makes his money, that's how he makes his living. The press is all over him. Everything he does, they want to know, they want to report it. That now puts you on a pedestal because you've lost your privacy. You're now open to criticism. You're living out your life in the public eye. And of course, a lot of times we see a lot of celebrities don't have, not a lot of times, that's just the truth. They don't have the same standard of life or quality of life as an average citizen will. Because any and everything they do is being talked about in the news, in the media. Somebody is there with a phone to take a picture, record a video, send it to TMZ or Shade Room or whoever, CNN, I don't know who carries all these things. You don't have any privacy. So any struggle that you're having is out in the open. Anything good that is happening is out in the open. A lot of them go to super, you know, big lengths to hide, you know, personal information. Unfortunately, Kanye West is married to a reality TV star. He can't do that. I don't necessarily see him as a private person anyway. But point being, all this is unfolding in the public eye. Now, when you have more money, you have status, there's more scrutiny, right? If I was to, let's say, get drunk, fight somebody when I went out, the people who are there will probably try to separate us. My friends will probably say, wow, that sucks. Why do you do that? That's really bad. Not a good look for you. Whoever, my family, anybody else I got to know would give me the same advice. It wouldn't be on TMZ because I'm not a household name yet. So nobody cares. That's just the truth. But if you heard a Justin Bieber, a Chris Brown, a Kanye West, a Rihanna, even a pastor, say Joe Austin, did something, because people know them, because they're household names, because they're in the public eye, everyone would know about it. Everyone would be talking about it. Everyone would be giving their opinion, leaving comments, good or bad. So definitely it's a bigger deal or it's a bigger issue. Now independence right he hasn't done anything like kill anybody he's ranting on social media doesn't necessarily quote unquote make him a harm to himself or to other people in public so it's not like you can get police to go like arrest him or sedate him or anything wild like that he still has his rights he's still an adult he's still an influential person you know you there's not there's not much that his wife or her mom or anybody else really can do he's going to say what he's going to say he's going to publish whatever he's going to publish all they can do is hope and pray that he stops or find people who can talk to him to, you know, talk him down from that ledge where he is. Now, if this was happening to a regular person, 
who didn't have all this money and have all this wealth and have, you know, all of these things. Then I'm sure there are other, quote unquote, more drastic steps that the family could take. Like, for example, they could force them to get committed into a hospital or, you know, maybe take over their power of attorney. Somebody else becomes your legal guardian and all of that. That could happen. I think also if he was younger, that could happen because that happened with Britney Spears. She started having meltdowns. Everything was going haywire. And her dad took over, like, charge of her, became her conservator. And, you know, she couldn't spend money without him. Pretty much couldn't make any decisions or do anything. Her dad, she was, you know, technically not a minor anymore, but her dad now became a conservator. So that could have been another option. And I remember having a conversation with a friend and I was saying, why can't they do something like that with Kanye West, where Kim, you know, as a wife, next of kin, all of that can say, you know what? He's a hazard to himself. He's a harm to himself. I should get the authority or the power to make decisions on his behalf, which are obviously in his best interest. Let him get treated. And I thought about it. I was like, I feel like Kanye was to bring up the race card because there's a lot of racial tensions, white, black, all of that. And he did. He literally posted white supremacy as part of his um, tirade about his wife and her mom trying to silence him, make him look crazy, bring him a doctor, label him. So, of course, that backfired. But in all honesty, I do think that there should be a point where if somebody does have that kind of condition and they decide voluntarily not to get treated or not to get treatment, then there should be somebody who is a wife, a parent, a sibling who should be able to get some kind of emergency, I don't know, court order or power of attorney to make decisions on behalf of that person, right? Think about other people who have been wealthy, who have been well-known, who didn't even have, I don't think they were all bipolar, but who also were struggling with mental health issues. And most people didn't know because on the surface, they were living a great life. They were rich. They were top in their fields. They had everything going for them. Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, Robin Williams. And then one day we just hear they committed suicide. And of course, people are asking like, what is going on? What's happening? I remember when Kate Spade killed herself. And somebody, you know, was like telling me, we're talking about it. And the person said, wow, even with all that money, she wasn't happy. So there's this idea that when you get to a certain point, whatever your problems are, go away. Because even the Bible says, you know, money answered, I mean, money answered all things. But not every single thing. That's just the problem. Something like this, your money cannot change the situation. Yes, he could have decided to take the pills and get, you know, treated and be kind of subdued and sedated or lose his personality. But that's, you know, you're trading one thing for the other. The problem is not solved per se. It's just maybe being controlled. And there might be things that happen that now blow the whole thing out of the water or out of your control. Or there are times when the meds are not even working. Like they have to up their dosage or it's just not effective anymore. They have to try a new one. A lot of stuff going on. But the point being, I do think that the pressure and the stress of being in the public eye adds to everything that is going on, right? You have enablers, people who want to promote, you know, you want to tell you, yes, you're right. Yes, men who are like, everything you do is correct. Everything you say is correct. You can never do any wrong. You can never, you know, tell a lie. Don't mind all these haters. They're just trying to stop you right on. And you'll notice that a lot of people were leaving comments under this tirade that Kanye West was having and literally saying, yes, I believe you. 
this is the problem with white people. Like making it into a race thing instead of actually understanding that this guy does have a problem. Let's not encourage him. Let's, you know, wish him well, pray for him, send love and light. And, you know, hope that he gets the help he needs. And then Damon Dash, who co-founded Rockefeller with Jay-Z, went to Wyoming to be with Kanye West. He's supposed to be his friend. And he's giving interviews literally and saying, oh, nothing wrong with Kanye West. He's fine. This is the mind of a billionaire. People think he's crazy, but he's a billionaire. So if you're not a billionaire, you won't understand. Like, you know, billionaires are kind of eccentric. They all understand each other. This is just billionaire talk. I'm sorry, what? That has nothing to do with it. Um, yes, there are other people who are billionaires who don't go on Twitter ranting and having tirades and literally having an episode and a breakdown on the internet. You know? Why he will be saying that, I don't know. But he's also pushing the narrative of, you know, white people trying to hold black people down and the wife and the mom, you know, trying to control him. And, and I know that, yes, we're in the time of Black Lives Matter and there's a lot of what's the word, racial tension and all of that. But in this case, when somebody's mental health is at risk, is that really the time to be trying to push that narrative? I don't know if his wife and her family are racist. I don't know. I don't know them. But if she's married to him and she has four children with him, then most definitely she doesn't want anything horrible or bad to happen to him. Can you imagine? Okay, the daughter is seven, right? I know she has a phone. She has an iPad, access to the internet. Can you imagine her going on the internet? Let's even say she doesn't go now, maybe in three years. And seeing, because this thing is everywhere. You know, seeing her parents say that, or her dad say that about her, like, oh, we're, you know, we're about to get rid of this girl and this pregnancy. The mom already had the pills in her hand. That's something private that's not anybody's business. If the couple decided to sit down and share that together, sure. But if he's having a breakdown and just releasing stuff like that, it's harmful. It really is harmful to himself and to Lord knows who else. And I don't know what's going on in his head. I don't know how bad things are. But the fear which some people have expressed that he might harm himself is very possible. He's pushing away his family. He's pushing away friends who are not agreeing with him and the tirades that he's going on. And only keeping people close to him who are like, yes, 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 you're right, you're right. Ignore the haters. You know what you're doing. Enablers are dangerous. Really, really dangerous. And I don't know. What do you guys think? What role does the family have? How much power should they be able to have to save someone from themselves? If someone in the public eye is going through this type of thing, should there be some kind of, I don't know, unspoken rule or law or whatever that says, you know, this person needs to just get out of the public eye, go somewhere private, hide and just, I don't know, get well and come back. Also, how is it even legal with everything going on for him to be running for president? It's really weird. Like the current president, I mean, as far as we know, doesn't have any diagnosis and he literally goes crazy on Twitter all the time. Now, here's somebody who actually does have a diagnosis, who already, you know, acts out on all these things, who is already having a meltdown, even before the pressure of being the most powerful person in the world, being the president of the United States. What then do we expect if he does get to the White House, which don't forget will be run like Wakanda? What is he going to do when he gets there? I don't know. I was reading something. And they said the most expensive rehab is in Switzerland and it's $300,000 a month. I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> for now, I don't make $300,000 a month. A lot of people that I know, I don't know anybody, let me not lie, that makes $300,000 in a month. 
But that is how much one of the most expensive rehabs cost. And it's in Switzerland. Mind you, they are not promising you any kind of cure. You're just going to come there. They will help you. You get like, you know, a team of professionals around the clock, five-star food, accommodations, spa, pool, privacy is the key thing. You get privacy. Nobody knows you're there. You use a pseudonym. It's super private. You know, you get a whole place blocked out to yourself. You don't really interact with other people unless they're people you know and you want to interact with. Once again, privacy being the keyword. But can you guys imagine paying $300,000 a month? And still, it's not like there's a promise of a cure. So what's the difference between that $300,000 you're paying and somebody else who is paying, I don't know, $300 a month to see their therapist? It's not like there's a higher chance of getting cured or getting your condition under wraps, right? Especially if you don't live in Switzerland, you have to travel there, put your main life on hold. Obviously, most of these people are business people, they are celebrities, so on and so forth. But for a lot of them, it's the privacy and getting away from their usual circle, which a lot of times includes enablers. So imagine having a problem which a lot of people in the world have, but because of your status and because of the money that you have, you can't even really just access any treatments. You have to go out of your way and pay these ridiculous sums of money, these ridiculous amounts of money to get your privacy, to get healed or to get help. I'm telling you guys, more money, more problems. That said, or that being said, I still want more money. So on to double standards. Usually when you hear about double standards, it's, you know, favoring the men, them using as an excuse to oppress women, have their way, and so on and so forth, getting paid more for doing the same job, etc., etc. But this time, it's flipped. I don't know about you guys, or I don't know about other parts of the world, but there's almost no day in the United States when I check the news, I go on Daily Mail, that I don't see that a female teacher has assaulted, molested, taken advantage of a male student. And the case was reported. The person got arrested, lost their job, lost their teaching license. Most times they don't even go to jail. They're actually not given prison time. They're given probation. Those that are given prison time is like three months, nine months, one year. And I don't understand it because the definition of a minor is somebody who is under 18. Another thing to note, these women are always married. Like I've, I'm yet to see one where she wasn't married or didn't have a fiance. So that's what I don't understand. These are young women. They're usually like under 35. 35 is even high. They're usually in their late 20s. But let's say 35, since I'm like 31, 32, let's say 35, 36. What exactly is the And a lot of times these activities, let's just call them activities, will be taking place in their car or in their house. They will invite these boys over, maybe boys who are having trouble in school, who are looking up to them, come to my house, I want to tutor you. And literally becomes a, not even it's a fling, they are actually falling in love with this little boys who don't know anything and who are going through puberty and their hormones are raging, sending these boys texts, talking about love, sending them pictures of themselves, literally stalking them, getting mad and jealous when these boys start dating, you know, their own little girls, like classmates in school. Just, I mean, trying to bribe them with like PlayStations and give them money. And it's just, honestly, I don't understand it. It's mind blowing because there are like billion, gazillion, whatever number of men in the world there are online dating sites, there's grocery stores, gyms, churches, coffee shops, clubs, I don't know, hospital. There's too many places that you can meet someone. If your husband is not working out for you or the relationship you're in is not great, 
you want to leave that person, you want to find somebody else, the world is your oyster. You can even walk onto a college campus. Most times, at least 95% of the people there are over the age of 18. Why would you start preying on boys that are your students who are looking up to you? You're supposed to be their educator, you're supposed to be their mentor, you're supposed to be helping them try and become something in life. And you start messing up their lives from a young age. One, problem number one, the women who are doing this thing. Problem number two, the society that doesn't see these things as a big deal. I've heard so many guys say, ah, those guys are weak. What? Ah, that was my fantasy. Ah, when I was in high school, can you imagine if this hot teacher had even given me I, you know, I would have scored. It would have been so, I mean, my reputation, people would have been looking up at me. And I'm guessing that transcends whether it's in Africa, in America, in Europe. It's kind of the same idea that an older woman having or taking a fancy or a liking or having an interest in a younger boy who she's supposed to be teaching or mentoring is a desirable thing. Literally what I've heard from most guys that I've had this conversation with, it is a desirable thing. They even say guys who report are whims. How can he go report? In fact, something, he's probably not even interested in women. That's such a dream come true. Hmm, okay. That's second problem. So the guys themselves, second problem, slash society. The other angle of society is now getting to the court system. So these things get reported. The women get arrested. They get charged. They get taken to court. And the whole trial happens, the families come and say how distraught, how angry, how disappointed they are, blah, 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 blah. And the court is like, okay, cool, yeah, this is bad. Um, slap on the wrist. Please don't do it again. Serve community or, you know, serve time cleaning up the community or doing whatever community service. You can't go near this boy ever again. You can't teach in that school district. The end. Hmm, okay. That's another problem now. Society and, you know, whatever, the court system, you know, legal system. Then we are now surprised when these same guys grow up and they themselves now start molesting women or molesting younger girls or taking advantage of them or they're in a workplace, they are the boss and they are telling these women, you can't get this promotion until you sleep with me. I can't hire you until you do this sexual favor for me. If you're serious about getting this movie role, come to my hotel room and so on and so forth. How are we surprised, right? Why is there even a Me Too movement? Why is there this call for equality and feminism and all of this other stuff? If we look the other way when these women do these horrific crimes or do these horrible things. Now flip the script and imagine or think about the cases where it has been a male teacher, even the same age, doing the same thing to female students of the same age as those female, you know, boy. Uh, what did I just say? Female boy. Wow. The same age as those young males, you know, the high school students or secondary school students that the female teachers are doing that too. We will be so outraged. We're so angry. These men are taking advantage of power play, deviants, you know, monsters, pedophiles. We call them all these names. We want their heads on a stick, castrate them, fire them, put them in jail, electric chair, hang them. Where is that outrage and that anger? and that annoyance, and that call for justice, when it's the women doing this to little boys? Do we really believe that boys cannot be raped or sexually assaulted or taken advantage of? Because that's not true, right? They can. They are. And a lot of them, when they do get caught, maybe becoming whatever they become, you know, not that every one of them becomes a serial killer or a rapist or whatever, but some of them that do go on to now perpetuate these same acts always start from the fact that they were taken advantage of when they were younger. Somebody molested them. Somebody assaulted them. They never dealt with it. 
It's not something you say. Nobody believes you. You're a man. You're a boy. You're supposed to like it, enjoy it, man up. They never share with anybody, and it starts affecting their lives. They start acting out. Some of them become dependent on drugs, alcohol. You know, start living a bad boy life, and a lot of them do go on to now start, you know, doing the same thing to other people, to younger women, to younger girls, so on and so forth. So I do think that, like I said, there's so many levels where we're failing and something needs to be done. There needs to be harsher sentences where, regardless of what your gender is, if you commit this crime, it's the same punishment across the board. If it's 50 years, you're getting 50 years. Maybe if these women knew that, hey, you're not going to get a slap on the wrist or you're not going to get off easy, they would actually like buckle up and start behaving themselves, like take their proclivities or whatever somewhere else. Like, you are in school to teach and educate. You are in a role of authority. Literally, that's where it ends. Why are you seeing these little, these little boys? Like, yes, they're high on, you know, hormones and maybe they're even flirting with the teacher or winking or smiling or paying her compliments. But so what? Is, is it really that bad? Do you really not have any attention in your real life? There is attention from a 15-year-old, 14-year-old, some of them 11, 12. Some of these women even go as far as getting pregnant for these students. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I know it's ironic, right? Because the president of France, that was his own story or that was his own case. He started having an affair with his teacher who happened to be his friend's mom. She was a married woman who had two kids that were around his age. And she left her husband, wanted to be with him. He came from a wealthy family. His parents took him away from there, sent him to a boarding school somewhere else. He came back. Still kept on meeting with this woman. Long story short, they're still together today. Is it a happy ending? I don't know what his personal life is like. He seems to have turned out okay. He is the president. But still, there is that, what's the word now? Trust that has been broken. There's that boundary that should not have been crossed. Can you fall in love with your students? I mean, I don't know. If these women are 30 and these students are 15, it's not impossible, but it's inappropriate at that time because that person is not mature enough to be making such decisions, right? If he became 18, 21, and he was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to date somewhere that is 50 years, mate. Yeah, nobody cares. That's your prerogative. That's between you and that person. And if your family is inquisitive or nosy, them. But you should not be taking advantage of students that are put in your care, young people you're supposed to be teaching, training, preparing for the world. You should not be taking advantage of them. That double standard should not exist. Feminists and people who push for equality should also push in that direction too. Like, you know what? If we want the men to take us seriously, we want them to actually see us as equals, then yes, we should be ready to face, you know, the same punishments that they face or the same, you know, effects or whatever of crimes that are committed, good or bad, right? If you want equality, it should be good or bad. Equality, good as far as we should all get paid the same thing. Also, equality, bad as far as if we commit the same crime, we should get the same punishment. I shouldn't get off easier because I'm a woman. I'm supposed to be soft and fragile. I know it's a mistake and the boy probably likes it anyway. No. Look at the case of Will and Jada that we discussed last week and August Alcina. A lot of people were like, oh, Jada was just trying to find herself. She was trying to find happiness. I stand that. Hats off to Jada. I'm so happy they still stayed together. Everything worked out. But Jada was a man 21 years younger than her who she did take advantage of because he was going through a lot at that time. He wasn't in a good position. But yes, he was legal. Now flip the script and imagine that it was Will Smith that we found out, you know, had an affair with a woman who was 21 years younger. It wouldn't be a pleasant reception. Everybody would 
start, you know, reading abuses and curses. This is how men are. Men are trash. Men are scum. You know, he traded, traded her in for a younger model after she was there with him from the beginning. Now he wants, you know, a younger person who is more vibrant. He doesn't respect her. Nobody would be clapping for Will Smith and saying, wow, he wanted to find happiness. He found himself. I'm happy that he took some time out. He bounced back. Nobody. Literally nobody. It will be the total opposite. You know, he's a scumbag. I don't respect him anymore. Hashtag boycott Will Smith movies. Take his ambassadorship. He shouldn't be a role model to anyone. So how then are we okay with Jada doing it because she's a woman? But... If the reverse were the case, it would be bloody murder. Double standards, guys. I don't know. What do you think? Should there be exceptions? Should there be times when it's okay for women to get off easier on something than men? Where does equality play into all this? What role should feminists take? What stance should they take? Should they, you know what? Yes, we're ready to take the same punishment, abide by the same rules. I don't know. How do you guys see it? What do you guys think? Let me tell you guys something. There's nothing worse than going into an establishment or a restaurant or whatever and the customer service sucks. I'm not talking about, oh, they didn't refill your water on time. No. Let me be more specific. I'm talking about African or ethnic establishments. So minority establishments, say like a Mexican restaurant, Greek restaurant, and so on and so forth, Chinese restaurant, so on and so forth. A Chinese woman. I don't know. But anyway, Chinese restaurant included in the list of what I'm talking about. That's why I say ethnic. So they might not be minority, but they're ethnic. And people are usually rude and unprofessional. I'm not joking. Like they'll keep you waiting. They will be chatting. They're hanging out. Sometimes you, you ask like, oh, where do I find this say in the store? And they're just like, um, I don't know, check out nine. Like nobody even offers to help you or follow you there to check. I'll use African stores as an example because I go there a lot horrible i'm not kidding unless they know you personally where it's like oh madam you're back again welcome they don't care about you they really don't to be honest i mean they know that you don't have that many options they know you're far away from home they know you need these items or you know they provide the items that you actually need so to them it's almost like you're inconsequential like they are not desperate for your business right you come you don't come they don't care somebody else will come what do you want to demand? I went to an African store like two, three days ago and the checkout carousel or whatever it's called was, I don't know, as if insects attacked it and ate it up and all kinds of, I couldn't tell. I was like, did somebody paint it? Is it, what are these things? But as I got closer and tried to put my stuff, I put my hand and the thing was literally like shredding. And I started wondering, okay, did they, when they opened the store, buy secondhand stuff? If they did, didn't anybody check this? Did something happen that ruined it? Why is it still in service? Mind you, they had two other checkout lanes that were not being used. So it's not like that's the only one they had. Why do we have lower standards? Why do we have, even as people, lower expectations, right? It's like we're used to it. I can imagine myself going into, say, a Walmart or a Target and seeing that. There's no way. People would have been screaming, shouting, recording videos, asking for the manager, going on Twitter. The whole thing would have turned into a national news headline and, you know, all kinds of things. But in African store, I promise you, nobody was looking twice. Like everybody was just there, like nothing was happening. So even when I was looking and trying to touch it and trying to record, everybody was looking at me like I was weird. Like, what are you doing? Pay for yourself and leave. I don't get it. 
these stores, the conditions when you come in is extremely hot. Sometimes there'll be flies. I've heard people say they've seen rats. The smell is horrible. And yes, I know they have meat and chicken and all this fish and all these other ethnic stuff that smells. But you will go to, you know, like, uh, let me not say Walmart, like an H-E-B, you know, if you're in Texas. And this is a store that has full meat market. They have, um, what do you call it, a whole fishmonger section. They have shrimp, they have crabs, all this different stuff. And it doesn't smell. Like you walk in and it just smells like a normal place. You go about, you buy what you want to buy, go to different aisles and you leave. So what exactly is it that we're doing differently? And yes, they have lamb, right? Lamb, which is close to goat. So I can't say goat is the only thing that smells. Everything is cold. Everything is still pink. When you go to these African stores, a lot of times, you can't even tell what color the meat is. Like, is this the natural color? Is this supposed to look like this? They just look like the animals have suffered. The fish, everything is just there. There's barely enough ice. I don't know if the freezer things where they display them are even working. Sometimes they are in buckets. It's just... It really depressing. It's one of those, okay, I need to go here and buy these things, but I'm not looking forward to it. It's not somewhere where you get lost in the store and you're walking from aisle to aisle and checking out what they have. And No, it's literally a, you walk in, you walk out. There's hardly any order. There's so many people there. This one is not attending to me. They're laughing. They're talking with their friends and people around. And you're just like, I'm standing right here. I'm in a hurry. Oh, and another thing, the information is never consistent. The labeling is always bad. I don't know about other places, but in my states, there's like, I'll call it a chain, a big African store that has like, you know, locations in different major cities in this state. And they don't put the prices. I don't know why. So literally you're playing a game of the price is right. Like, hmm, okay, what, what, what do I guess this thing costs? Is it $7.99? Is it $6.99? Is it $12.99? I guess I'll figure out when I get to the counter. And someone like me, I like to kind of gauge or have an idea of, okay, how much have I spent so far? Like in my head, I'll set a budget. So I've actually reached a budget down. This is how much I don't want to go past, right? And there are things that I do want to buy, but they are not in necessity. So in order of preference, I usually put my stuff on the checkout carousel in order of preference, especially when I don't know how much stuff is up, I can't gauge. So I'm like, okay, if they keep bringing stuff up and I get to certain points, I have to tell them, you know what, forget about the rest. And I find that uncomfortable because I don't want to be that person who has packed things from the whole store. And then I get there and I'm like, oops, yeah, okay, yeah, I don't want these 10 things <laughs> anymore. But I also am not that person that will force myself to buy stuff because I feel bad. Nope, I'm not going to do that. So I just find it weird. Like, who does that? Why can't you just put the price? Let me know how much it costs before I ever get to the checkout point or checkout till. Let me know if I'm going to buy this thing or if I'm not. It's really that simple. Another place is like the embassy, like the Nigerian embassies, consulates, whatever you call them. Horrible. I mean, I don't know. It's, I don't even want to get into that one because I don't have time. But that's another example. Nigerian restaurants, another horrible, pretty much on par with the grocery stores. And a fear with those ones is I never swipe my card there. I always use cash because you don't know where your card information is going who is going to use it and what they're going to use it for, right? I've heard people say, oh, after I swiped my card, I was so so place, I started noticing random charges. So for some reason, I've just always, since I was in college, had that in the back of my mind that if I swipe my card at an African restaurant, the likelihood that my card information is going to be compromised is very high. It was actually a Nigerian restaurant in Houston where the owner got arrested for fraud, credit card fraud. They were taking customers' cards and 
using them for purchases and getting money. And, I mean, that's so ridiculous. You have a whole restaurant that is popping. People are coming in. They had a buffet on Sundays, which is unusual for Nigerian restaurants. But that's not enough. Your customers are paying for a service and you're deciding to defraud them. It, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's ridiculous. Let's not even talk about actually being in Nigeria where no matter where you go, they're like, Madam, I don't have change. Uh, Madam, won't you leave the change for me? I'm sorry, what? I don't know you. You're not my family member. You're not my child. I'm not responsible for you. If I want to leave you a tip, that's on me. That's my prerogative to leave you a tip. You can't be forcing me or begging me or trying to shame me into, ah, just this small money. Ah, madam, it's nothing now. Uh, it's something to me. If it was nothing, <laughs> you wouldn't be asking me for it. How are you running a business where you don't have change? It doesn't make any sense at all. Or do you want to talk about the ones where they want a bribe to do their job? Like even going to the bank, even going to you know, an establishment, maybe you need something signed, you need to get your passport renewed, do your driver's license. It's not a system where you can just walk in, pay for the service, get attended to. No, you need to know someone who knows someone, give someone some money, he gets you to the front of the line or gets, you know, you attended to or get them to take you seriously. And a lot of times they're not doing anything. They're literally sitting down, talking to each other, laughing. And when you say, oh, hey, excuse me, I'm still waiting. They get so rude and angry and they're like, Madam, we know now. Madam, you can see we are doing something here. When is your turn? We'll call you. You don't, clearly they don't want to be there. Maybe that job annoys them. Maybe the pay is not high enough. But that has nothing to do with me, right? There are other jobs you could be doing, making the same low amount of money where you don't have to be facing customers or customer facing. You literally could be, I don't know, behind somewhere on the computer or packing stuff or bagging things or lifting heavy, I don't know, whatever. But if you're in a customer facing role, you need to, whatever is going on with you, when you come to work, drop it at the door, come in, smile, you know, pretend, whatever, act like everything is okay. And then when you're leaving, pick, pick it back up. And when you go home, you can do that with your friends and family. But I find it alarming that that is the standard. In fact, it's like no standard, no expectations. And it's normal. It's okay. It's allowed. It's, ah, that's the way the country is. Or, you know, as Nigerians, that's how we are. Even to the point of Nigerian establishments in the United States not paying their staff. They don't pay them. They withhold their pay. Same things that they would do in Nigeria, they still do it here. So I don't know if it's a mentality, if it's a mindset, if it's a bad habit, because those same people conduct business in other, you know, establishments or areas of the country that are not Nigerian and they behave themselves. They act well, they line up, they're polite, they talk at a normal pace. But for some reason, once we enter any Nigerian or African establishment, once you enter the restaurant, enter the grocery store, enter the, you know, consulate, even if you're flying to Nigeria, if you're ever taking a direct flight like Delta, these people are acting normal throughout the airport. Once they get to that gate and they say, you know, time to board, calling all passengers, people start running, pushing. And I'm like, it's not a first come, first serve. You already have an assigned seat. You are, like, what is this? They literally lose it. Barely getting on the plane, knowing that they are going to Nigeria. They lose it. So I don't understand. Is it a double consciousness like we talked about two weeks ago where you're like, okay, when I'm with the rest of the country where I live or this Western world or developed place, I'll behave like them because when in Rome, right? But once I get anywhere close to my own people, the madness in me comes out, back to default setting, anything goes. I don't know. What do you guys think about it? Do you think that's just the way things are? It's not a big deal. Just get used to it. It'll make life easier. Do you think it's absurd? Do you think something needs to be done? How do we change things? What is the solution? Are the employers to blame? Are the employees to blame? Does everyone have a part to play? 
are we the customers to blame? Are we the ones annoying them? Are we the ones expecting too much? Are we sellouts? Is it in our nature to be that way? What is your own opinion? Let me know. Follow us. Advance and motivation. B-A-N-T-S-A-N-D-M-O-T-I-V-A-T-I-O-N on Instagram. Please, please, please share the podcast with your friends and family so we can grow the BAM Nation. Don't enjoy it alone. Be kind, be safe, be careful, and of course, behave. Until I come your way next week, stay safe. Don't let COVID get you. Bye.